Welcome back to the podcast. And we have this week a special edition of the podcast uh, because we're going to do a long form conversation with me and Kelly uh, walking through uh, Mission Hills about section on our website. So if you haven't been to our website or haven't been to our website lately, we have an about section that has uh, our values and how we see faith and the spiritual life worked out in a variety of different ways at Mission Hills. And so we thought since we're in the middle of summer, we would take this opportunity uh, in ordinary time to just walk through this uh, value list and see where we think Mission Hills is at, a little bit about where we've come from. And I think most of you know that I've been at Mission Hills for a little over six years. And really through that time, I've seen Mission Hills change and evolve and grow, walk as a community through a pandemic together and Anything and everything between, uh, I know most of you have been there for uh, some piece of that journey and so probably know a lot of the stories behind uh, those years at Mission Hills. But you might not think about how Kelly and I think about some of these values that we've picked up along the way or have become maybe a little bit more solidified as a community throughout the way. So along the way. So these, this value set, I think Kelly and I, when did we put this together? Was it last year or two years ago where we kind of co-wrote? I think it was last year it came to formation and it was something that we were able to, like you said, solidify and also just make known on our website. Um, but I think the conversations had been present within our community space for the last couple of years. Right. Correct. And I did a great int- introduction for you, Kelly. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly, thank you for joining <laughs> us today on the podcast. Great. Great to be here. Um, oh. It's been wonderful to be here over the last three, almost three years now, not quite. Um, but even in that span of time, I feel like I've seen so much change happen as we've had to pivot kind of over and over again throughout the pandemic. And I think that is also kind of part of how we've been able to see our values come to light of what's what's stayed true about this community, mm. even as we've changed formats, we've changed timelines we've changed um where we're meeting how we're meeting Mm -hmm. all of those pieces um i think regardless these things that we've listed out have have stayed true so i'm grateful for for those things yeah and i think the way we were thinking about this when we constructed it was what what do we sense within our experience of mission hills uh how we envisioned over the course of years of what we would want an inclusive faith community to really look like, sound like, feel like, in contrast to maybe other things that we've experienced or the stories that we've encountered through years at Mission Hills and how those are really become a part of the story collectively of Mission Hills and then become a part of the value set. And so if you've been at Mission Hills for any length of time, you probably know that we uh, we set a... Um, a space of these kind of inclusive values that uh, we don't want to become sort of new doctrines and dogmas, but are something that we see shape the community. And so hopefully, as we kind of walk through these, you find yourself resonating somewhere within our words. Uh, you, you might not resonate with every value, or you might really resonate with a, a few of these values, but we hope that through this, we've kind of captured uh, the experience and um, the life of not only Mission Hills, but really the the people of Mission Hills as as we've sort of account- encountered that over the last six years. 
All right, let's uh, let's start with the first value. Uh, so if you're following along at home, uh, the first value is we value inclusive and affirming faith, not confining and judgmental. And I'll open the floor, Kelly, uh, to you if you have any initial thoughts. What do you what do you hear whenever that is kind of some some ways sets the table for everything below it? Absolutely. I think the the obvious and kind of the starting point is how we value LGBTQ inclusion, egalitarian uh, kind of thought in, in ministry and leadership. And from there also kind of expands to this idea of, you know, we're not we're not upholding one single doctrine. It's not like a you're in or you're out kind of space. And this for me was a breath of fresh air kind of coming from spaces where that was a requirement, even if it was unspoken, if you spoke back too much about, hey, I've actually experienced my faith or my belief or my doubt in kind of these ways, it wasn't always welcomed. And so I think what I appreciate in that language, especially around the not being confined or judged, um, is that that's really hard to accomplish, especially, I think, in a faith space or a community where we have folks coming from all different places and backgrounds, uh, especially different church backgrounds. So um, that for me roots and sets the stage for like respectful and honest conversation that we have. And um, I think that's been such a big piece that's made our conversation pieces on Sundays and Wednesdays possible is that we can all hold this, first value together um, openly with open hands uh, and know that, you know, if you say something that is different from my experience, it doesn't necessarily detract either of ours. It remains in that both and space. And then how do we craft a vision right. of the divine or community uh, that can hold all of those things? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, oh, like, like you said, really beautifully. I think it begins with LGBTQIA inclusion for obvious reasons. And that's been such a, uh, a core value of ours of being an inclusive space, because we know that so many spaces aren't. And so when, when Mission Hills has been evolving over time, figuring out ways to be better allies, to be more welcoming, uh, to, to have a place that is truly not only open, but like we always say, a place of actual belonging, true belonging, uh, that has, that's a, that's a process for us. And so I think it, it really begins there, but we know that it's not only a practical one, it's a, it's a theological one that so many places are confining from a theological perspective. And so many people through the years have found Mission Hills because they need to process some element of their theology or religious background or even church trauma. And so to be a space, we always say to be a brave space because we recognize that we have to hold all of this for each other and that all of our experiences are gonna be really, really different. And that is difficult to do as a community because it really requires everyone being there uh, for each other, where each other are at and where, the, where they're coming from. And you said respect. I think it, it has to begin with uh, a really healthy base layer of openness, belonging, and respect for everyone's journey and where where they're at. Um, and so, uh, we recognize that a lot of religious spaces um, feel the opposite of that. So, whenever we set the table for any kind of gathering at Mission Hills, 
we're trying to create an environment that feels open and mm-hmm. feels like there's uh, so much respect uh, and um, belonging for each other in, that, that's really present in the room. And so um, I think whenever we set any kind of table or have any kind of gathering, that's what we're trying to trying to create. And then everything else from there um, uh, fa- you know, falls into place in some, in some ways. Uh, to me, the other word that came out for me in this value was uh, to be a space that's liberating for people. I think mm-hmm. whenever, whenever I think about, well, what would I hope that people feel at Mission Hills or able to experience themselves? Um, because we recognize we create a space for that. And then uh, so many people have come and gone through the years that uh, you hope that people find belonging, healing, grace. But really, you hope that people are liberated from whatever it is that they uh, need to be liberated from. And so for me, part of the openness and inclusivity of Mission Hills is for a purpose of like personal liberation and then liberating work in in the world. So um, to me, that was kind of where, where I saw this. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. And I think that also ties in so well to the second value of valuing belonging and community, not church consumption or attendance, because uh, it speaks to that piece of, of what does it mean to truly feel like you belong somewhere? Um, and and sometimes we define that in opposition to, well, what has it felt like when I didn't belong? Mm. Um, but that piece around, you know, we we want to be kind of not against, but an alternative to a space where you feel like you have to show up every Sunday or even an an attitude consciously, unconsciously of, you know, that we're going to get something from church every weekend uh, or from worship or from, from this aspect or that aspect uh, that it really comes back to what is this doing relationally um, for for my own relationship with myself, my relationship with other people who are showing up, my relationship with the divine that is not based in how often I'm showing up, is not based in like whether I check the boxes, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think this one for me, like you said, falls right after the first value because we are always trying to create uh, an environment for people to like you said, it's the balance of uh, people needing to have their own individual healing and experience. We recognize that that is is going to be specific for each person. And a lot of what we hope Mission Hills to be, and I think value, is to create spaces where people can be free to heal and process and deconstruct in everything in between at their own pace and as they feel like they need to, which again is not, like you said, even unconsciously pressuring people to come to church or to replace their religious devotion at some other place with their new religious devotion at Mission Hills. Uh, we don't want to create an, an environment where where people feel like they're being pressured into those kinds of spaces, like they need to get really involved. And so switching the mindset from performance, church performance, church consumption, church attendance, where things are always about the numbers, things are always about productivity, to really being a space where people can uh, be transformed and be healed at their own pace. While, the, like you said, the balance is being in community 
with other people that are in similar, um, I wouldn't say like in similar experiences, but in a, in a community together that is that inclusive and open. Um, because that is a, a huge piece to it, the community community piece, the relationship piece, and then the individual piece. But it's kind of like the individual, I don't know what you think about that. It's like the individuality of how I see that processing at Mission Hills is vastly different than the individuality of uh, most of Christianity that says, well, it's just about an individual relationship with with God and you have to get saved so that you can go to heaven. I'm not not talking about that like individuality, but giving people the freedom to just be themselves at Mission <laughs> Hills is critical, I think. And giving permission to exist or or make choices that, you know, you haven't necessarily had before for someone who has grown up, you know, constantly being told that you have to go to church every Sunday, that you have to, again, like check these boxes to be a good Christian, a good person. And those two have become intertwined. Um that they can now kind of have a space that affirms if, if church, if, if showing up on a Sunday, you know, is either triggering because of church trauma or um, it's just not what you necessarily need right now from community. That is okay. Um, That part is really hard. I think for, for folks to understand because we're so um, it's just so, so ingrained in like, well, you know, the number of people showing up on a Sunday equals your worth, equals how good of a place you are, um, which I think both of us have come to realize that will never be true about Mission Hills because we are doing something different in in giving people that permission of, hey, we still want you and we still affirm you as part of our like church family, even if you're not here on a Sunday, Um a lot of that happens more behind the scenes and isn't as obvious, uh, whether to a visitor or even someone who's been in the community for a while. Uh, so it is it is tricky because it's breaking down um, not only within our structure, like becoming more non-hierarchical in terms of what we do on a Sunday or how we construct the space, but also is kind of letting go of you know these markers of what it looks like for us in terms of success or, or even for other people showing up. Um, so that's, a, that can be a lot to let go of. Yeah. It makes me think of, uh, how Norma always jokes that mission Hills is hard. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey Norma, if you're listening, I always really appreciate that because I think it does say something about as a community, we really hope to value longevity, depth, mm-hmm. substance, difficult conversations that, maybe we want a resolution to them, but they don't always resolve because as you always say in caveat, Mission Hills is an ongoing conversation that as a community we are constantly having. And so we want people to experience a deep life or a a full life. And that is a value for us, not whether or not, um, you know, there's X amount of people at church or if it was a really good, sermon or podcast or any of the kind of markers that would for most even religious organizations would say, okay, but this is uh, our marker of success, or this is our marker of failure. Um, It's much harder to grade those things whenever you say, uh, well, what we're really hoping for is people to experience something that maybe they haven't experienced in a long time or, or have some uh, internal healing uh, that, um, we we'll, we will never know about as 
as uh, as people who set the space at Mission Hills, and and that is okay. I think that is okay as a community to have that value that we are about belonging, community, healing, um, and not church consumption or attendance. Anything else on that one before we move on? That was right. so good. Okay, so uh, third value uh, we value just as a community compassion leads and that leads to justice and to healing. And we we have these words that we say a lot and we don't want them to just be completely inside language or or jargon that what we what we say matters and how we how we think about that and how we live those out in, as a community in in our everyday lives actually matters. So um, compassion leading to justice and healing. I think these are are words that if you've been around a Mission Hills for any length of time, you probably hear us throw around all the time. And I'm curious, Kelly, if you have any first thoughts on this this value and how these words were chosen. I think all three of these words are really easy to say um, with not necessarily a, a common definition either. And that can make it a little bit harder because then as we're speaking within the space of church, I might be using these words, but it might mean something different to someone listening. Um, But I do think that there's some there's some truth and some goodness in having a more collective definition of justice, of healing, Um, because my life experience has taught me something about these words, but uh, still want to give some substance like we've said to them. I think for me, the idea of starting in a place of of compassion um, and even of of empathy, which for me means getting down into what I call the pit of despair with people sometimes. Sometimes it is about celebrating and being present with each other. Um, but when it comes to the hard stuff, when it comes to recognizing where we need justice, where we need healing, um, that means kind of getting into that space with people and not giving answers, not trying to rush the healing process, but truly being present and listening and sitting with folks, um, which is hard to do. I think sometimes the hardest feeling to deal with is that of helplessness, uh, which we come across a lot when we're talking about the injustices that are true within our our country, within our our world, even within our, our local community. It can be incredibly overwhelming. And so I think in this compassion piece, it's also about how do we come together so we're not isolated in our journey of trying to accomplish something in terms of mm. the justice and healing part, um, which again can mean can mean different things, but ultimately I think lead towards that liberation of all people in all ways, um, yeah. most simply. Yeah, yeah. You had um, a podcast from a couple of weeks ago, and was the title. Was it? It wasn't open-hearted. It was broken, broken open. Broken open, yeah. And and that's kind of what I, I hear in this in this value because the the vulnerability that we we bring into spaces of Mission Hills, right? They can be they can be uh, fun spaces. They can be more serious ones. They could be ones where we're having a really difficult conversation over a tough topic or a book or some kind of subject matter. But if we bring a level of vulnerability and respect, um, tenderness is another word that I think of in the context of Mission Hills. If we're tender with each other, if we're kind, uh, a lot of other things can be generated from that initial kindness, tenderness with each other. And it, like you said, it leads 
out into the world, like how we see uh, social justice issues, how we see our relationship with the planet and people. And we all, we have like three pillars of justice, right? With like LGBTQI inclusion, environmental justice, and broader justice work. And all of that, um, I think the tenderness and compassion leads us into that, whether that's um, anger at something that's going on, like police violence. Uh, it We have this sort of well as a community of kindness, compassion, tenderness, that we go out into the world with this work, whatever it is that we do, because we recognize that people in our community are going to be drawn to different aspects of justice work, and we need that. Uh, but we hope to be a well of compassion and tenderness for justice and healing with each other, ourselves, and the world. And so to me, that falls in the middle of our values because it, it really does color and flavor everything else that we try to do as a community. Yeah, I think that's super well said. And and just one more thing to add on that is, you know, there's the difference between um, kind of the the action or or the impact of something and then the intent. And I think that the best way that we can help um, kind of move each other towards that space of, of liberation and healing is reckoning with our intention and being truly just having that conversation with ourselves of, where am I coming into this space? And to recognize that we're not blank slates, um, that we we have this life experience, we have our own experiences um, that have, you know, included experiences of hurt, of love, of change, all of these things. Um, and that we don't have to give up ourselves as we are kind of pursuing this for other people too. Um, right. But it's it can be a, a both and that is harder because even as you are entering into those conversations, it can be challenging. Uh, but I think that's what's so good about the conversations that we get to have here, too. Yeah, that's really well said. OK, so the next value is uh, we value doubts and questions as essential to faith, not in opposition to faith. And for me, this uh I don't know where this sits. You know, these are not in any particular order, although I, I feel like they flow in some ways. But to me, this is core of Mission Hills as our experiences, no matter where we come from. We recognize that most of traditional Christianity, um, it it does not value <laughs> doubts and questions. <laughs> Maybe that's the easiest way to say Um and this works itself out in so many different ways, right? Like a lot of faith and even secular worldviews, they're in search for meaning, ultimate truth, uh, right answers. Uh, for a lot of Christians, it's about having uh, the right belief or doctrine, the right politics, the right views on the Bible, the right everything. And, and it can be easy for any kind of faith community even even progressive faith communities like ourselves to just substitute another right in the blank and say, okay, well, well, I, I used to think I had the right worldview. I came to think a little bit differently about it. And now I go to Mission Hills and I have the new right worldview. <laughs> I have the new right views about the Bible. I have the new right views about politics. I have the new right belief or doctrines about whatever, about compassion and healing. Uh, and I think as a, as a, core value at Mission Hills, um, we're not trying to say that we don't have any 
things that we're confident about. I think we we have tons of things that we are very self-assured about as a community that we don't compromise on. But as a core value, we we value questions and each other's doubts and that exploration process as core to what it is to have a spiritual life. That um, if we're having more answers than we have questions, then we're probably in some ways a little off base from where we want to be. And so having that generative uh, intellectual exploration, exploration uh, the value of curiosity, wonder, mystery, um, a place where questions are really encouraged is uh, what we want to create in community where um, people are, aren't afraid to ask questions where people aren't afraid to express genuine doubts that they have in their life. Uh, we want to be a space where people feel very free to express uh, whatever question they have, whatever doubts they have. Um, and that goes from the theological questions to very practical ones. So um, that's what I initially think of when I, when I think of this value. This value always makes me smile because I think it is so freeing to be in a space that does value questions and doubt. And this is even a big question within my first uh, meeting for ordination. And it was affirmed kind of even from the denominational standpoint of this is a space that we we want to be in. Um, and it can be so easy, like you said, to just silo off with a new right way um, as I think a lot of folks have made their way through the deconstruction process at different points um, as they've kind of come in touch with Mission Hills. And I've always used the image and folks who've been around Mission Hills for a bit have heard me say this way too many times, but it helps for all of us visual learners here of being able to uh, see deconstruction process as kind of taking and tearing out the the yarn that holds together the tapestry of what you thought faith or belief was, and then being left with kind of this pile of, of yarn that you can then reconstruct into something new. And you might be using some of the same things that you had learned, but you had to wrestle with in a new way. You might add in new things. You might let go of some beliefs. And I think that is far more beautiful of a process than just, you know, staying with one set for an en entirety of your life without kind of reckoning with some of these things. And I love the stories even within the biblical texts that allow space for wrestling um, because it's there's something about being able to say, I don't know, um, or this is where I'm at today, but I might be somewhere else in the future. Um, that I think speaks to a certain level of humility that um, is is precious and is also kind of hard to come by in spaces that some of us have come from. Um, so I'm grateful, again, for a community that can say on every Sunday, as I caveat every time, of this is a starting point for our conversation. Um, I am offering a slightly pivoted version of a text or a story, um, but I recognize that you all bring something else to it. And so I want to hear your thoughts. I speak all the time about this mm -hmm. phrase of collective wisdom, um, and I use it so frequently because I think it's true that my picture of something is not complete, and I don't want it to be complete without having the the input or the intersection of other folks. 
I'm glad that you said collective wisdom, Kelly, because I have that here in my notes, uh, collective wisdom underneath this value. But I think it's right. It, it goes to the humility piece. It goes to how we really value the entirety of the Christian tradition. And we try to mine all of the all of the great parts of the, the Christian wisdom tradition, which we'll get into later a little bit, uh, to say there's there's so much to, to learn. There's so much wisdom to draw on. And that is not only a historical value perspective of our community, uh, that we want to be a place that is intellectually curious, that is always growing and learning um, and recognizing that uh, we don't have the final answer on any, any one particular subject. But also, like you said, to be in community with each other where we we listen to each other because if we value, if we value listening more than speaking, Mm -hmm. that is going to lend itself, I think over time to uh, a community and a culture that is not trying to go up there like you and I on a Sunday and say, Hey, we've got the, all right, here, everyone, listen, we've got the answer. We've got the, we've got the word of the day. Uh, It is offering our, our, experience, our knowledge, and um, what we've read and researched throughout the week and offering that to the community um, and then receiving that collective wisdom and feedback from each other. Um, So, yeah, so we value doubts and questions as essential to faith, definitely not in opposition to faith. Uh, Okay, next, we value finding beauty in creative arts, nature, and mystery. Uh, why do you think this is a value of Mission Hills? I think, again, it it speaks to living into um, a more, I'm going to use this, this wording, of a more embodied faith, that there is more than just kind of the intellectual experience um, that we can find in the way that we express ourselves or see the divine reflected in nature. Um, and also this kind of mystic aspect of, of mystery that we've talked about in, in different ways over the last few years. Um, obviously as someone in the creative arts field, this has been a big part of, of what I do, but also um, <laughs> who I am doing my little, my little yeah, hair. Yeah. Um, because it's been a way that I've connected to my faith and connected to other people, um, that I can't find anywhere else. I run away to the mountains because I know that's a space that I can process, that I can, can be more attuned with, um, the divine who is speaking, um, and constantly kind of living into that space. So, um, I think there's, there's so much beauty that takes a lot of slowing down um, to be able to recognize and to give space for, whether that's on a Sunday um, or just kind of through our our daily lives. And when we exist within a culture that is very capitalist focused, that is consumption based, that is how much can you produce? How much can you make new? uh, That's going to be the next best thing. Um, to live into what's already present uh, around us is 
is I think, again, refreshing um, and speaks to a level of abundance of, hey, like, let's let's collectively, again, look at what's already here. Who are the people um, who are able to kind of lead us into space through art um, or through a garden day um, or through kind of this more contemplative piece that Mm. does require being more attuned and present with ourselves and what's around. So. Yeah, that's incredibly well said. And oh, can you hear me? I lost Kelly for a second there. All right. And we're back. Um, Yeah, it's really beautifully well said. And I, this, this value for me, I can go in so many different directions. And I think for me, this is the one maybe I resonate with the most. And I think that valuing as a community, how do we value these kinds of things? Because it is really, it is really broad. And we recognize that people will find themselves differently within this. Maybe it is hiking for someone, maybe it is uh, art or music or dance. Really, the whole range of creativity. Because I think you you mentioned having a, a culture of of consumption and productivity. Having this piece as a, a core value as our community, I think right in the middle, it sets a completely different tone of of who we want to be and how we what kind of lives do we want to create for each other and encourage in each other? And I think you mentioned slow, slowing down whenever you appreciate music or appreciate nature, you do so in somewhat of a flow state. Uh, If you're create, if you're creating music, you're not thinking about other things. You're not thinking about other things. You're not thinking about, uh, you know, will this get me a record deal? Uh, or you shouldn't be <laughs> at least, uh, but you're in some kind of pure flow state of experiencing what you're experiencing. And I think it is interesting. I didn't even notice until just now, just even the the aspect of finding beauty in this, I think whether that's creating beauty or we're discovering it, we want to encourage each other to find beauty in the most mundane thing uh, as much as, you know, maybe the best hike that you've ever went on, that you don't have to do these grand things in order to experience or find beauty. And so, like you said, that could be the contemplative piece of silence. Maybe that's sitting outside and noticing the sun on your face. These are all expressions of the divine unfolding God self in your experience and in our world. And we're hopefully doing a right thing by encouraging this kind of uh, value of creativity and slowing down and appreciating our personal experience and how we connect to God. Um, and we, I think as a community, we try to offer a variety of different practices of embodiment. Like we always talk about, like we want head, heart, and body to all be experienced and appreciated in its fullness. And so if we can continue to integrate head, heart, and body um, in practices like this, I think um, that lead us into wonder, mystery, creativity. Um, that's that's where I want to be. Absolutely. And I think that ties so well into the next belief or value as well. We value contemplation, wisdom, and curiosity above belief and doctrine. Um, 
and just how this speaks to how we come into a space versus the what of what we're what we're doing, what we think we might be accomplishing. Because um, often, the, really, the only thing that we can control in a time or space is is how am I going to respond or be present in this moment? Mm. Um, and I think the the curiosity piece again speaks back to what we had talked about before that we never stop learning or growing. Um, and I talked a little bit about this even in our conversation this past Sunday that for me, a lot of life is about some version of movement, um, that love is about some form of movement, grief as some form of movement, um, that we don't remain stagnant at any point of this journey. Um, we also don't know at what intersection we're coming across someone else's either. So if we can remain kind of curious to um, not making assumptions about where someone is, whether that's in the space of, of belief or doubt, um, how they find beauty, et cetera, um, I think continues to make better space for what might be possible. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think this does get into like what you mentioned at the very beginning, uh, that this is what we want to create in everything that we do. So whether that's how we approach a Sunday morning or how we think about uh, our times of prayer and meditation, how we think about the liturgical readings that we've developed over you know, the course of the last several years, the conversations that we have uh, on Wednesday nights or Sundays or book groups, uh, our emphasis on social justice initiatives, whatever it is that we're doing as a community, the community garden, we want to bring in the the value of wisdom and curiosity over needing to be right. Because at the end of the day, we want to create an environment where we can all experience uh, Christ in everything that we do, whether that's in a church thing or because we, rec we recognize that most people, we want most people to spend the vast majority of their lives outside the church. And we want people to see Christ and experience Christ in everything that they do in 99% of their, their life outside of the, outside of the church. And so creating a space where wisdom is, is gained from each other. And, um, we're not trying, we're, we're moving from, like I said, the need to be right. So much of our, of our life and the way that we've, like you said, ingrained in us, we just, we want to be right. We need to have like a good answer. And I don't know if that's like partially, uh, you know, an anxiety move that we need to, if we're, if we can just, I forget who I was listening to, to recently that was saying, uh, you know, with all the crazy stuff that's going on in our, our world right now, that uh, to, to try to process everything that's happening and to have the right sort of like structure of how to think about all the different things that are sort of going wrong and going around in our, our culture right now is a way to sort of cope with the anxiety and the heaviness of it all. And I'm not necessarily saying that, um, you know, there's not a, a place for that or that we can even totally prevent that or that that doesn't help us like organize and structure our world a little bit. But moving away from the, the compulsive need to, to have all the, the right answers and, and stay, instead create a community that says, we are going to be as present as possible with each other. We're going to listen to each other. Um, and we're not going to be a place that... Um, has a new set of beliefs and doctrines uh, for you, even though those are 
those are really good ways to like develop a community that agrees with each other is because we know we agree with these uh, these set of beliefs and doctrines that make us feel very, very secure. Um, there was something else that I was going to say on this, but I, it's now completely gone. So uh, anything else, Kelly, on this that comes to mind? No, I think that was very well said. And and what I appreciate about these values is that they do intertwine and inter- intersect. So as we've kind of repeated some of the same themes, hopefully they also feel a little more cemented as they tie together uh, all these things. Oh, and maybe the other piece too is even just like you mentioned in the Disciples of Christ, the denomination that our church is a part of, uh, this is all very much in the spirit of uh, the disciples in that we are non-dogmatic, we are non-doctrinal. And um, for us, that extends to all of these different values, I think. All right. So the next value, uh, the penultimate value, we value serving people and our planet because through love, we experience Christ. Now, this is another wordy, jargony, Mission Hillsy kind of statement, right? <laughs> we value serving people and our planet because through love, we experience Christ. And you could say, wow, that's very Rorian of you, Ryan. And I would say, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. But as the unofficial patriot state of Mission Hills, I feel like we had to throw something in here that is a little bit Rorian. And for that, you might be thinking, all right, I get serving people in the planet, but through love, we experience Christ. All right, there's a lot going on in there. Kelly, can you break it down for us? No, I can't. <laughs> uh, there's no, it's true. There's so much there. And it's, I think, easier to kind of just say of loving God, loving people, loving planet. Um, and I think we've talked about like, what does it mean to love? What is love? Um, and having definitions is, is cool. Uh, but I think more so it just lives into our experience. Um, and there's something about like being able to feel um, feel certain things as you are are doing actions that it doesn't come down to. Uh, we've talked a lot about before. It doesn't come down to like one individual action so much as um, how how we're setting ourselves into the community around us, into um, how we even structure kind of our our process through the liturgical year. Um, to reflect these things and hopefully set us up so that we, as we go out into the rest of our lives, uh, we feel a little more equipped to um, love God, love people, love our planet. Um, For me, I think this is kind of also points to our, our conversations around the universal Christ and being able to see Christ in all of these things. Um, and so it, it can look very tangible uh, in terms of doing a garden Sunday, feeling more connected to the earth, uh, being able to support other community initiatives that are already present to kind of serving people within our community. Um, but I also think it looks like sitting with that question of, of what does love mean? What does love look like? Um, how do we hope to kind of mirror that um, before we can kind of get to that piece. So I think I muddled it even more and made it more confusing for people in, in that piece, but hopefully that helps set the stage for you, Ryan, to take over and tell us all about what you mean. Uh, no, I thought that was really well said. And to me, it's interest. this piece is interesting because it 
it has this element of obviously service, uh, which we talk about all the time as, as what we see as essential to the life of Christ, serving the poor, serving the sick, um, going to the places where people have been outcast. That is core to, um, how we see the life of Jesus and how we hope to, to model that as, as people who follow Christ. And at the same time, there's this, there's this external service piece. And then the backside of this value says, well, we, it is through the very act of love that we experience God. So even though we are maybe inspired or or called to serve our planet and the people, we, we recognize that we're not the ones who are, are going on mission. We are not the ones who are taking God to our world because all these people need how great we are. Uh, it is through the very act of love that we experience the divine and it is through the very act of love that we get to experience Christ. And that is something that we have to be born again and again and again and again over and over that we are again within the context of uh, more traditional forms of Christianity. You do not reach a point where you receive love and and then you have it as some sort of like in, in you know eternal possession and that's in that frame it is something that well maybe i would even disagree with that right it it's i just would say it differently now so i'm mm-hmm. muddling this up too even more than you did kelly so <laughs> but i think this is a is an important piece of how we see the life of service is this kind of like it's just like ebb, it's like waves coming in it's this ebb and flow where it goes back to the humility piece, even that a life of service is recognizing that uh, we are not all whole until ev- we are not whole until everybody is whole. Um, that we are not um, out there to serve our neighbor, to, but to be served by our neighbor. Um, you always talk about abundance and scarcity, so uh, I feel like I had to say <laughs> I feel like I had to say abundance and scarcity at least one time before you did. But it is, I think, a core piece. To, to this value where we approach our world entirely differently, where we're not saying, well, I have X amount of dollars or time or resources or whatever, and it's my job to go take it to this person who doesn't have this. We just, we try to create uh, an environment where in a, in a community that sees the world as full of the abundance of Christ and we have the opportunity to experience that in every moment and everything that we do to be of service to people and all things when any moment arises. Like we don't have to have some sort of special event or, or service, but that we see, uh, you know, to another Rorian phrase that we see everything is Christ soaked. And from that perspective, seeing ourselves, seeing God as, uh, you know, grounded being or in process or, uh, within the life of God there, we, we get out of the dualistic, uh, mind of saying, well, I have this, or I don't have this. And I wish I had this. And if I only had more time, then I could be of more help to other people. But it's just saying we value a life of service because we experience Christ in the very act of love itself. And life is so short and so delicate and we lose sight of the fact that all we have is 
the love that we can bring to each other and bring into uh, whatever it is that we're doing. That's it. I mean, it, it really just boils down to that. And so for us at Mission Hills, we want to create a, I keep saying a, a culture, but a community that that you feel that you feel how acutely delicate life is. And from that, from that emotional space, you, you can love more tenderly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that, uh, for me, I hear that this value too. That's beautiful. There we go. All right, moving on. Uh, so the last value is we value a radical embrace of the Christian wisdom tradition in the pursuit of authentic authentic spirituality for a post-Christian future. I'm going to read that again. We value a radical embrace of the Christian wisdom tradition and the pursuit of authentic spirituality for a post-Christian future. So for me, this one is maybe a bit more philosophical or broad about how I hope Mission Hills as a community would sort of maybe see and understand our broad context that we sort of recognize that we exist in a time in a space and how, what, what are the things that we want to embrace as a community, broadly speaking within the context that we find ourselves, uh, the evangelical church as it currently is, uh, people, uh, not identifying as, uh, religious anymore or less, you know, less and less as the years go on. So, uh, setting our, setting a little bit of the table for our context, uh, to me, it says something about how do we want to embody a, a spiritual life of liberation and transformation within our current context? Yeah, and I think it ties back to some things that I've already talked about of that image of, again, kind of unweaving the tapestry and and giving um, kind of honor to to the Christian tradition that we still abide within, um, even as our kind of understanding or construction has shifted. Uh, There's a reason why we still use the lectionary. There's reasons why we center our entire liturgy around the space of communion, um, regardless of, or, or maybe better verbiage would be like including all of the different interpretations that might exist um, for people on a Sunday as we're talking about Mm -hmm. these things. Uh, I think it's really important to, even though there have been times in which I would love to just burn everything down because I get frustrated with the state of how things are in some forms of of Christianity, of uh, the intersection of politics and some of the injustices that we're seeing. But there is something beautiful about... um, holding on to certain pieces that have been meaningful and can continue to reveal um, God in, in the midst of us and, and Mm -hmm. spirit in the midst of us. And so I think that's, that's something just to name in terms of what like the tangible aspects of how we structure our space um, and our conversations uh, of this balance between kind of more formal liturgy and more open dynamics um, while also recognizing that there's a good number of folks who attend the space and, and are walking into a church, but don't identify with the, the verbiage of Christianity. Right. Yeah. Um, so. No, that, I think that's totally spot on. And I think 
if if you if you've been to Mission Hills or maybe you're listening to this and you haven't been to Mission Hills, but what we do from a liturgical perspective on a Sunday is it is incredibly well thought out and has been evolving over the course of the last several years. And it does hopefully lead us into this piece of a radical embrace of the Christian wisdom tradition that we recognize that even though Christianity has, uh, is not experienced uh, well in history or in our world today, we are going to do some kind of radical embrace of this while also, um, you know, maybe stripping down some of the, cause we're not a, we're not like a lit, high liturgical church, but we do have the elements of liturgy within a service. You, you mentioned the communion piece as sort of a, a focal point as well. We, we are going to have a radical embrace, even though we recognize that Christianity is experienced negatively and we have to be honest and sober about that and call that out. And, and I, I think a core piece of our, our work here is to um, to bring attention to the ways that the evangelical church and um, more traditional forms of Christianity just actively and knowingly harm people at this point. Um, but there is something about the the embrace of the Jesus tradition that um, is big enough to call out that kind of thing. So uh, I think, are you still there? Yes. You're fr- okay. You're, fr- you're absolutely, <laughs> Kelly's absolutely frozen on my laptop screen. So, um, and has been for like the last three minutes. So, <laughs> so if you're listening to, all right, she's here. Um, that I guess the other piece for me, it was like the, the contextual piece of where we are as mission Hills, where we find ourselves. And, and like I said, I think this piece is kind of more philosophical and there's more room for a disagreement. And we, we, know that we have a variety of political perspectives at Mission Hills. We have a variety of um, of emphasis that people take as far as uh, the work they do in the world. And so we, but we recognize, I think one thing for me that I, I think about, and I think about this piece in our context is that as the U.S. and the West, broadly speaking, move away from Christianity, this is not a negative for me or something to lament because for us as we've mentioned throughout this whole podcast when love liberation justice the well-being of all people and planet are what we value um having institutions that don't value these things or don't live out these things having those institutions fall away or die is good mm-hmm. for me yeah and right on that point of talking of this metaphorical pattern of life, death, and resurrection, um, that we experience this kind of over and over again within our own lives, but there's also something good about um, kind of the institution of uh, faith tradition going through this process makes room for something that can reflect um, the true, like, worth of every human being. and, and for our planet as well, as we kind of experience and make way for these shifts that, you know, we can, we can still um, kind of call out where, where the, the tradition on, on the grand scheme has been and, and also 
that we still have hope that it can go somewhere. Um, I think we have to hold on to this hope piece so we don't fall just deep into nihilism, um, that, you know, that there would be something resurrecting that is inherently something new, even as it might resemble um, some, some aspects of the Jesus tradition and uh, the Christian wisdom that we, we strive to lift up still. Uh, that we can lift up some of these things without having to carry everything with us on on the journey. That there is space to let go. That there is space to hold on. Um, that is that ebb and flow, so that we're constantly in that reconstruction place. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really well said. And I think part of this, to me, kind of goes back to even how our community approaches. Uh, Jesus is as a, a a teacher of personal and political liberation as as son of God in a very deep sense that Jesus embodies this kind of life of transformation. Uh, there's something about going even back to what you were saying, even about the abundance piece that these external, very short term cultural factors about what the church is doing or what the church is not doing or how many people are, are identify in a certain way or how, how many people qualify their cognitive beliefs about a historical event, that the things that we value, that we find in Christ, wisdom, beauty, kindness, compassion, grace, mercy, hope, that all of these things are abundant, mm-hmm. that there, there's nowhere for them to go. Uh, and we want to be a community that finds these things in the world, finds these uh, values in ourselves and lives these values um, in personal and political ways that transform our world into a place of more kindness, more compassion, more grace, more hope. And from there, to me, it, it, it just really doesn't matter. Um, like to me, that's the authentic spirituality piece that, um, these kinds of things that go on in our context, which are all really heavy and and awful. And, and many of us have been uh, recovering from negative church experiences or have had loved ones who have had negative church experiences, um, that there's something still valuable about pursuing an authentic spiritual life uh, in the midst of all of the cultural factors that are going on around us. And um, em- embracing that tr- the Christian tradition and uh, the life of Jesus and uh, the grace that's found there is still core to what we want to do as a community. Yeah. And I think a kind of guiding principle um, that has helped me understand this both and space of, of how do I kind of show up how do I create space for other folks, um, especially in kind of a post-Christian future, of does my experience of faith, of doubt, of belief, of love, leave room for other people at the table? Like, does it does it push others out or potentially even harm? Or is it still leaving enough space that not just my voice will be heard? Because um, I'm not going to ever agree with everyone at the table but can we all kind of come together and also name who has been left out of of the conversation um, not because they weren't able to but because politically socially um, 
were were excluded, um, how do we then kind of create more equitable space for that conversation to move forward? Um, has helped me kind of understand of like, what does this look like in, in day-to-day life? What does this look like kind of even just in conversations with other folks across the denomination um, and church as a whole? Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think it kind of, it goes right back into the first value about trying to be an inclusive space and to be a person who who creates those kinds of values for the people around us. Um, that might be a great place. That might be a great place to leave it. Um, I think the only other point that like I just thought of with the post-Christian future is I think for me, this last value takes a lot of the the pressure off that we've, we've talked about the being a community together and being a, a community for each other. Uh, but there's not, we're kind of recognizing that uh, we don't want there to be any kind of pressure for, again, another particular kind of worldview to, for other people to agree with us, if that makes sense, that see, seeing the world as a, a post-Christian future is something that, uh, it says something to me about not having to have those around us agree with us that again, we value listening to others and, and maybe that works itself out in interfaith work. Maybe that is being uh, more open-minded to your coworkers, but to approach the world in a way that says, um, yeah, we don't need, we don't need uh, our worldview to be the worldview shared by, by other people or by, uh, the vast majority of people that we encounter, uh, I think takes a lot of the pressure off of what a spiritual, or what we hope a spiritual life would, would do for, for us. And I think mission Hills. Yeah, absolutely. I think in that phrasing, it's, it's not that, um, post-Christian means that we are completely negating the Christian experience, but it, it does relieve us of the hierarchy um, that Christianity has has held um, because of an influx of, you know, how it's been used to to rule or uh, emphasize certain aspects of power that we've talked about within the Christian history. So again, it's not that we're um, completely disassociating from it, right? Because I think that's sometimes the fear when people hear this phrase of post-Christian future. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, it's it's continuing to create more space um, for a bigger picture of what Christ, what the divine, um, what humanity and what it means to be human looks like. Yeah. Well said. Well, I think we're about an hour right now. So I think that's a great place to, to wrap up this conversation. Uh, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening on Sunday. We're going to have a conversation just about this podcast and the value section more broadly. We're going to talk about what values maybe resonate with you what values, uh, what, is there anything else that you would, you would value about Mission Hills that uh, we didn't talk about? So we're going to have that conversation on Sunday. So I really look forward uh, to hashing all of that out. And uh, as always, this is just a starting place, uh, not an ending place for our conversation. And uh, as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty and live life to the fullest. Be well. Good morning.